If I want to stand for a global movement, I need to find a global seat. I can't start a global movement in Albania because people would not take me serious. But I was certain that I am able to do it. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I have a very, very special guest today. She is a powerhouse and she is probably one of the most charismatic people I have ever met in my life. When she starts speaking, the room goes silent. She is the founder and the CEO of the Global Woman Club. And a little bit, she is my boss. Well, let's not get carried away. We are each other's boss. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast, Mirella Sula. I am so delighted to have you here. Thank you so much, the queen. So I'm your boss and you're my queen. <laughs> yes, but you are the empress. <laughs> okay, I, I believe we're going to have a, a very um, funny, amazing episode as you always create the atmosphere in your podcast. And I'm very honored to be part of this. And congratulations, my darling. I, have, I heard your podcasts are going galactic. They are doing very well. Yes, because, you know, I have so much fun doing it. But let's talk about most memorable journeys, because I know that you are from a country that I love and I have been with you in your country. And uh, Albania is a beautiful, beautiful place that many people underestimate. You know, they sometimes think it's backwards or I don't know whatever they think it's not. But you did have a hard time, didn't you, when you were a child? It was a bit difficult to um, to grow up. And I know that you wanted to get away. What happened? <laughs> what, a, what a simple question. What happened? <laughs> it's not one event that impacts uh, our journey. It's not one single event which can we, can make us think what happened. It's, it's a, serious, a series of events. And all my life has been in a journey with a lot of events. A lot of things have, have happened. A lot of things happened to me and a lot of things I've made them happen. So as um, you are in this, in this field as well of self-development, personal development, everything happens to you when you have no clue what is happening in your world and you give the power away. And then once you get that power back, then you make things happen. So at the beginning, things were just happening, just happening, just happening. And then from the moment that I realized that I have some power to change the course of my life, to change the course of my journey, then things started happening in a different way. Now, what happened? I, I've talked a lot about my, my journey as a child and we all have our you know, dramas and traumas from the past in one way or another, even those who we believe that they never had any problem, they, they, all human beings have to go through some kind of challenges, but some more and some less, but it happens for a reason. Everything that has happened to my past, I honor it. And I'm very grateful that I have managed to overcome and come the other side. I was raised in a very small village with a stepfather who is very, very strict. Yeah, I, I got engaged when I was six, 17 and I got married when I was 19. So a lot of things happened just before I was able to realize that I can take decisions for myself. 
So until the age of, let's say, 18, let's say 20, you can't do anything. Other people take decisions for you and you have just to pray and wish the best for yourself. And But after that, we have to take the power back and we have to continue the journey the way we want, the way we see it toward the destination that uh, we design for ourselves. And we have to do that. We First, we need to realize that we, we can. And then we have to realize that we should. And then we have to. So if we can and we should and we don't do it, we are losing a lot. We are missing a lot. We're just living the journey for us to be something that other people will guide and tell us, go here and go there. But guess what? If we follow other people's directions with uh, with no in kind of guide, internal guide that we create in our side, in ourselves, then we may end up being in the wrong destination. And probably we may be trapped in that destination for longer, forever, if we don't take action. So yeah, that's my journey. Is, uh, it has been always a very interesting journey. And considering that I come from a country that I was isolated for years, for 50 years, and nobody would ever dream, dare to dream, to leave the country. Otherwise, all the family members would be killed. So coming from that kind of collective subconscious where you're not allowed to travel, you're not allowed to leave, you're not allowed to fly, you're not allowed to to dare to, to visualize what is beyond this. You're not even allowed to dream. No, because you look, uh, you're not allowed to dream because the dreams then need to be shared. And and if you tell somebody, hey, I have a dream, then you'll be in trouble just sharing your dream. So, uh, and our dreams were killed because at the end of the day, everything is just a dream. People are all the time talking about dreams. From the moment that you start talking about the dreams, and that is the first the first step that you take toward bringing these dreams to reality because things happen twice. First, they have to happen in your dreams and then they come through the reality. And if you want something into reality, you have to, you have to bring that into your mind first, otherwise it, it's not going to happen. So this is what I meant when I said that you were, we were very suppressed even to, to think about it. So um, gratefully, as I mentioned as human beings, we are the only creatures in this planet that we can. We have the power to change the course of our journey, to change the direction of our journey, and to take ourselves in a complete new transformational journey. And that is the, the best blessing we have. That's amazing. But I know you are, I've been to Shkodra. Shkodra is the place or near the place, the bigger, quite bigger town where you were born. But then you started taking action because you, for me, you are one of the examples, one of the best examples that, um, you know, it does, you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you react and you reacted. And then you moved to Tirana, didn't you, to the capital? Uh, well, um, when I, I was born in Shkodra, but then my mother got divorced and then uh, because it was not allowed at that time, there was not allowed for a woman to get divorced or for couples to get divorced. So uh, she took the risk and then we were punished to go to the mountains. So we moved to the north part of Albania, uh, which is called Puka in a very small village. So from Škodra, I was at the age of seven when we were moved to Puka. So I didn't see my father until I got married. Just before I got married, I wanted to see him. So I had no idea who is my father. 
And uh, yeah, I spent uh, my childhood in to this isolated place. Then, because I didn't, I didn't know any any better, and of course, I couldn't have any chance to. I couldn't have any chance to be able to to check um, wh- what else is available out there because living isolated into a remote place with very limited number of people, you don't know what is available. You just you just say yes to the first person that is available for you, and this is what happened. Um, I got engaged at a very early age, and then I got married into another even more smaller village in a very small uh, remote village where I think the whole village has like 20 houses, no more than that. And the nearest house from my house was 10 minutes away. So in order for me to go and collect some books, because I started studying part-time university, I had to walk one hour and a half because there was no car road to there was no way we didn't have cars anyway, but there was no road. Even if you had the car, there was no road for the cars. So I had to walk one hour and a half to go. I used to go like once a week or once in two weeks, get a lot of books and go back to the village and read and study and, and get ready to, to get the exams. So, uh, yeah, it was, Skodra was my birthplace, but then I moved to Puka and then very, uh, it took me, yeah, some some other tragedies in life to take the decision to move. Uh, as I always say, you have to move because you're not a tree. I lo- I, I got uh, pregnant. I gave birth to my first child. She was she was sick and then uh, was a long, long battle with, with her life. And I lost her. At the, she was seven months and a half when I lost her. And that was like um, a big breakthrough for me where I had to to completely go deep inside me and and uh, ask for some existential questions. What is going to happen in my life now? What, what I'm going to do? Am I going to give up or am I going to leave? But if I'm going to leave, I am going to leave. So there, there are two ways. You leave or you die. I was very near to take that decision to give up my life. But then I got um, to know that I was pregnant again with my son. And I'm so blessed to have him in my life now. And then I promised myself, I am going to do whatever it takes to heal you, to help you to grow, to develop, and to take yourself into a complete new journey, empower you, and live the life fully. And since then, it took me quite a few years, probably five or six years to heal first. That was a long journey to heal myself because I went through grief and and a lot of, you know, um, problematics when you live into an isolated uh, place. And um, once I started feeling the power back, I started to take some decisions. And as a result of these decisions, I'm here where I am today. Yeah, I want to come back to your son later on because he is also a podcaster, but let's continue first where you are. So um, first of all, I mean, losing a child is the worst thing that can happen to any mother. So that I understand that's, that that takes a long time and that is a real, real uh part of a journey that you have to recover from and heal from. And uh, even though you know that no matter what you do, it will ever bring anybody back, it's still 
little heart. Um, and you help people today. I know that you do who go through this kind of grief. And uh, I know what you do with women, what you, how you help women. But um, what made you leave Albania? Why did you leave Albania at the end? Well, I my life has been, as I said, all the time, like in a journey, moving from one place to another. So at the beginning, I realized that um, I, I want to leave that that small village. I just need to find a way out. And it took me a few years to convince my ex-husband to move to the uh, little town that we had. And, and it was like a dream come true. I really felt so excited that I managed to change a little bit. And very soon after, as I got to discover that, hey, there is a bigger city out there. And the first time I saw the capital city was when I lost my daughter. I had to go to the hospitals and 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 be able to, to get real help. So that was uh, another breakthrough that I had, feeling like, oh my God, these people in this big city are people like me. They 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 are human beings. It should be a way to to, to come and, and see how life would be if I come and, and live here. And it was hard because from the moment that some kind of dream starts seeding into your mind, uh, you see it growing. But if you are dependent on other people, you can't just take decisions like that. So it took me uh, a few more years to convince my ex-husband say, hey, okay, let's move again because it's a better world out there. So I did manage. And when I moved to Tirana, I, I, I went there with a big dream to change com- completely my life in terms of my career, my education, my development, my the, the people around me, because it involves all these factors. And um, to keep it short, uh, within 10 years, I achieved everything that a woman could dream in Albania. I went from um, a village woman or village teacher to uh, to seek for a job, to search for a job. And it was hard. To be honest, it was harder than being an immigrant. I felt immigrant in my country because my accent was very village. My look was very village. Uh, but my knowledge was very posh, to be honest, because I, I had been reading all the time. And this is how I prepared myself to move to the next level. Read, read, read. That was the only thing that it didn't, it didn't stop me to start visualizing and preparing for who I wanted to become. I used to go to the library of the city that was free, even though books were very old, but still reading books of Balzac, for example. I remember when I read that book, visualizing how this poor guy from the middle of nowhere went to Paris and built an empire. I said, oh my God, this is me. I live in, in, into this poverty in all levels, my, mindset poverty, physical poverty, all kinds of things around me were just dictating that poverty. But as I read these, these stories, I start visualizing myself. What happens if I go to the capital city? Because at that time I, was, I, I used to write poems. I was, I was a poet. And uh, that gave me the power to visualize myself into a new environment with new people, taking risks. And all these characters that I was reading, especially all the books of Balzac, were telling me that these were taking risks and they put themselves in trouble many times. Oh my God, yes. But I started feeling excited. I, I want to do to live that kind of life. You want and... to be in trouble too. <laughs> I remember then later when I found the job as a journalist in Albania, in Tirana, uh, I I had a friend who, who at the beginning, she was my boss and she gave me a really hard time. So she, I'm tough. 
the first two years was she was so tough. She was making me cry, go here, go there. She was treating me like a servant. But later on, she became the best friend of my life. And uh, um, very soon after, I start changing and changing and changing. And guess what? She's still where she we 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 started together. And uh, when I went to Albania the last time and I met her, uh, and of course we're in touch. I, we talked about it because she always used to say, "I don't, be, I don't understand what is weird, wired in your mind. You, your brain should should have some problems because you never like stability. Come on, lady, just stick stick with one place, just stay in one job and don't move." I was moving all the time. After a couple of years, moved to another newspaper, moved to another magazine, moved, do a master degree, do another master degree. Um, I started my TV show in the, in a panel. I started my own magazine and uh, running trainings, courses and teaching and all kinds of things. And she was like, I don't get you. And of course, taking all these decisions to move out my comfort zone were coming with a lot of risks. But I, I, as I said, I promised myself I want to live my life fully. Life is not beautiful if you stay safe. And I was hearing, I think I was hearing it somewhere. I think Tony Robbins says this, said, if you want to save life, don't worry, stay all the time in the house, we'll feed you, we'll bring you food and you'll be safe. Nothing is going to happen to you, just stay sitting there, stay in the corner. I don't know, I didn't want to stay in the corner. I didn't want somebody to feed me. I never had that, even though I come from a culture where a woman doesn't need to bother that much, just find a man and the man will take care of you, he'll, he'll feed you. I never wanted that. Ever, ever in my life, I had that. Ever. Even when I was a child, I was earning my food. I was washing and cleaning all the time. And I was earning everything. And I was uh, was raised with this culture that if I have a man in my side, that man is going to be equal with me and is going to be transparent and is going to be based in love, not based in needs. And uh, there's so many things that I have learned in this journey moving uh, then from um, Albania, because then I visualized, hey, how about I explore the world? Now Albania is open up. I can travel. I can apply for a visa. And it took me subconsciously to prepare myself for, for a little while to, to just go and apply because I had this kind of fear that, oh, you're not going to get it. You're not going. And many times we miss opportunities because we think, oh, it's hard. It's hard. You can try, but it's not going to happen. He said, you know what? I'm going to try it. And I got the first visa and I got the second one. I started traveling and traveling and traveling. And, and I said, oh my God, I want to go global. But where do I start? I needed to find my seat. In order for me to build a global uh, organization, even though I built a, a, quite a successful journey in Albania, I knew uh, you stand where you sit. If I want to stand for a global movement, I need to find a global seat. I can't start a global movement in Albania because people would not take me serious, but I was certain that I am able to do it. So that drove me to, to leave Albania, to find my seat, to start my movement, to keep going, to take risk decisions, and uh, I'm still in the journey. You said something before, and uh, you were talking about the comfort zone, as we call it, because we both know that the comfort zone is the place where all dreams die. You know, that's not where that's where where uh, where nothing happens. It's comfortable. You know, they bring you food. You don't have to do anything, but it's the most boring and sad place where you can be. And that's definitely not a place that as far as I know, you you don't enjoy that place. You need 
um, constant um, development. You like to get things going. So you you were in London, and I know that you. I have I heard this story a few times. I think you started at some point. You were cleaning for like a few days until they sacked you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, when I when I moved to London, I I um, ended up being just with a handbag uh, in the middle of the night because I, we missed the flight, we missed the luggages, we were crying, we were just shocked. We didn't know where we were going, me and my son only. He was 13 at that time. And um, then I started exploring in social media. If I have somebody that I know here from Albania, I found a friend from my childhood from the north. And she said, don't worry, we'll, we'll help you find a, find a place where to stay. And then she got to know that I don't have much savings with me. She said, oh my God, why are you going to leave? You left a luxury life to come here. And she, she started warning me, said, lady, you have to forget your luxury life, your famous life. You're a VIP in Albania, forget about it. You're a celebrity in Albania, forget about it. You have to start the way we started. We all come here and we start as a cleaner. I said, I don't mind. I just... I just want to make sure I don't want to go back and I will do whatever it takes. If you have been, you started cleaning, I, I'm, I'm okay. So um, uh, they have, she and her husband helped me to find a studio flat. So me and my son in a very tiny little room. Uh, and then very soon after started saying, please find me somewhere to clean. So she helped me to find a, a lady, um, a posh lady to go and clean. And the thing is that I had just arrived. I think I was like a mom here in this country and I'm terrible with orientation. So I had a, I had my phone, the address on my phone and I see that in order to go and clean to this lady, it's one hour walk. But I wanted to save the money. I didn't, I, I didn't want to take the bus, save these uh, two pounds. And I thought, okay, I can walk. So I took the phone and this is what I was doing every single day, going back and forth with my phone trying try, finding where is she based now the day five the, the four the first four days were fine I was ironing I was cleaning uh, because I've done this all my life when I was a child I've all all the time uh, I, I was all the time <laughs> even more to be honest I don't want to go there or when I was a bride in a big house when I got married I had in, in our family we had 11 people and I was the only women to serve and eight of them there were men I was milking the cow and cooking the bread and feeding the family and washing with hands not because we didn't have a washing machine so I didn't have any issue in terms of going to clean and just cleaning the dust that was like luxury for me but the fifth day what happened is she gave me a list of things and she said she had, she was allergic and she said, I want you to go and buy the meat in this address, in this shop and the address below. It was a big list in the paper. And the bread in this shop, the olive oil. I don't know. She, it was a list of things that I was supposed to go and buy. So the first thing in the morning when, she, when I went there. And um, then I was supposed to go back by 12 so I could cook for her. And I said, okay. And I, I started sweating when she, she was... Um, kind of guiding me in her English accent. Honestly, I could understand probably 10% of what she was saying. And she was saying, do you understand me? I said, yes, yes, yes. But in my mind, when I go out, I'm going to ask people because I felt very uncomfortable to ask her. 
So do you understand this address? You should go left and right and here and there. She was explaining nothing. I was getting nothing. So I go out with this list and with my phone and I try to find where's the first address where I should go. And I, I have no clue where to get there. And I start asking people, so how do I get to this shop? Somebody told me you have to take the bus because it's really far. You can't walk. I said, okay, which bus? I said, you have to go that way, take the number X and take the bus and two stops and you're there. So I go there and take the bus and I asked the driver, I said, hey, I'm going here. So can you tell me where do I need to stop? I said, no, you're wrong. You're completely wrong direction. You have to go stop now, go to the other one, take the other bus and go back and take, I said, oh my God. So I wait, I take the bus and I take the wrong bus again. <laughs> anyway, at the end of the day, to keep it short, I, um, I ended up at six o'clock in the evening. I mean, Instead of 12. Yes. And she had been very worried because she gave me the money and she probably thought this Albanian woman got the money and she disappeared. <laughs> now, when I went there, this is the, 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 the other breakthrough. When I went there and my battery was completely dead because I've been using all day. And, uh, I knock on the door and she like, I remember this. She opens the door and said, where have you been? And I was like, I was completely speechless. She just got the bags that I had, the food that I got. And she shut the door in front of my face. Said, You're fired. I leave it. I leave her house and I was, I was completely devastated. It was dark outside. I didn't know how to go home. And I started crying because I was very terrified. Every single day I used to go to my son's uh, school to pick him up. So I used to go and pick him up and, and go back home with him. I was so scared. What would happen with my son? My battery had, had died. I didn't have the phone to call him. And I just all I remember, I sat down into a bench near uh, her house and I started crying and crying and crying. And then, thanks God, I was praying as well. Two police people were passing by and they saw me crying. I said, are you okay? And said, no. And I, all I remember is just uh, they helped me to go home. And thanks God, my son was okay. And then I just uh, went for one week praying in silence and meditation and into my detoxing spirituality guide. And, um, and somehow universe was trying to tell me that that's not your destiny. That's not your journey. You are not here for this reason, it's okay to clean, nothing wrong with that, but that's not my job. This lady I, did you a big, big favor, Mirella. Yes. These she people, did. the people who bullied me at school, you know, all the people who do these things to you, I am so grateful for them because they gave us the fuel to do what we are doing now. Oh, yes, absolutely. Every rejection is a redirection for something better. And that has been always part of my journey. Now, because I believe in it and I'm aware of it every time when I I'm applying for something or I want to get something and the answer is no, I say, thank you, God, thank you. Do you really believe that I deserve something better? Are you sure? Okay, I wait. So all the time, that's my attitude. If I want something and the answer is no, it's because I'm preparing for something better. Absolutely. So... Global, the Global Woman Club, the Global Woman Club wasn't the Global Woman Club from the beginning. It was migrant woman at the beginning, wasn't it? How did it turn into the Global Woman Club? 
Uh, well, at the beginning, it was Albanian women. <laughs> so when I moved here, because my English was not good enough, I didn't know anybody, I just started uh, asking uh, a few ladies in, that were Albanian in this country, had arrived long before me, and they had achieved uh, quite a success in terms of finding a job. And I was um, just trying to find a job, to be honest. I just needed a job to survive. And um, because I couldn't find that job, then I, I asked myself, what is something you, you do, you, you really enjoy doing, and it's your passion? Magazines. I have all the time working, uh, for a long time, working uh, in the media and, and magazine publications. So I, instead of just sitting there and doing nothing until I find a job, I created a little mini magazine called Albanian Woman. And I thought, if I do this, probably this Albanian here in this country, they will see that I still have a bank. But he wants to talk, to talk with you. And um, then you have to empower yourself again. You have to uh, recharge yourself again. And uh, that is something that you have to do. Nobody can do it for you. I created this little magazine. And then I started calling these so you know, successful Albanian ladies in this country. And I said, hey, I have created, again, a magazine. I would like to interview you. And guess what? If you invite people for a coffee, they will be busy. But if you invite people for an interview, they would say yes. And this is what happened. I started, and guess what? What I was asking, all kind of questions that I would want to ask as an immigrant in this country, because I needed help. So I was asking, um, how did you start? What did you do? How did you struggle? Where did you find the job? All kinds of questions. In fact, I was burning inside me. And then said, why you, why you are not aspiring for more? Why you, why you don't do more? Why you have been in this, in this job for 10 years? You have been in this country for 20 years. You're still just the same place as when you, when you arrived. Why you're not moving? Why you not change? I wanted to understand what is in their brain. And uh, I started gathering knowledge. Knowledge is power. Then very soon after, I said, I said to myself, now it's time to move. I'm going to move from the Albanian community to the immigrant community. Let's explore other immigrant people. Is it only Albanian mindset or let's see how is the mindset of uh, other migrants? So I created, I turned the Albanian woman into migrant woman because as I meet these people and I show the Albanian woman magazine, say, oh, I love it, but I don't understand Albanian. So, okay, let's turn it into English. So then I start expanding and expanding, and I ended up uh, having the largest conference for uh, women, migrant women in the country ever. I, I organized the first conference three years after I had arrived in this country called Migrant Woman Conference, Inspiring Migrant Women Conference. And uh, as a result of that, I was invited uh, into uh, uh, Sky TV, London Live TV, different uh, newspapers. So it became really big news. That conference gave me so much confidence. And then many women started seeing that as a great platform to, uh, to, to, to share their voice and their stories. But many of them, they didn't resonate with the terminology of being called migrant. So very soon after I meditate, I go through another breakthrough and say, how about I call it global woman now? I am upgrade. I, I just kept upgrading myself all the time from Albanian woman to migrant woman, then global woman, galactic woman. So uh, it's just, it's, it's the evidence to show that it is possible. Everything is possible. It is available there. We just need to be able to tap into it. And uh, we can always recreate ourselves, reinvent ourselves, reprogram ourselves, retransform ourselves. 
And no matter, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. What it matters is where you want to go and be clear and be determined that you can reach that destination. That is amazing. And this I, I, this is exactly what you did. And this is how you're doing it now. And I know that in the meantime, after you started Global Woman officially, then you started um, opening clubs abroad. The first other club after London was Amsterdam. And then you went further and further and further. And now there are like 25, 30 clubs all over the world. And I am one of the directors. I am actually... I am the only director who has two clubs. <laughs> we're talking about me here. We're talking about you. So um, I also know that you started going all over the world to do to speak. And um, I, what was the biggest place that you ever spoke? I think it was somewhere in the US. The biggest audience that you ever spoke to. The the yeah the very first um, opportunity came when you know when you take the risk. Uh, when I um, decided to organize the Migrant Women Conference, I I didn't know that I that involves a lot of cost, but I committed and I said I'm going to find a way. So I borrowed the money to pay the hotel. I I, I called a friend that I met in these uh, opportunities to uh, while I was interviewing different women, and uh, because she trusted me, she gave me the money and I invested all that money. It was a big risk for me at that time like 9,000 pounds were like, oh my God, a lot. So I had to pay all that money to the hotel. I took the risk. And thanks to that risk, because of the uh, success of that conference, because I, I had no choice. I had to fill the room. I had to make it a success. I That was a no option. Failure was a no option on that conference. And I'm so, so glad that it went well because as a result of that conference, then somebody called me out of the blue just a few weeks after would like to have you in China. That was the very first conference outside the country. But I didn't know that that conference also had, it was a huge summit with seven mil, 700 millionaires, uh, investors, angel investors. I mean, it is like, that was the first opportunity that I got uh, when um, when I, I, I come back to London from China and oh my God, now I need to start a business. So that was the first uh, com- big conference in terms of quality, because the quality. I was invited to to speak about uh, women and uh, migrant women entrepreneurs, but in fact I didn't have a business myself. So everybody there had like multiple businesses, and and everybody there had built like empires, and that helped me to come back with a bigger dream to, to start something bigger. Now. Uh, of course, then since then, I never stopped speaking. I've been traveling the world all over because once you, you perform somewhere, then people see you and they invite you somewhere else and invite you somewhere else. And of course, on my journey, I've met so many other mentors, amazing people who have helped me to master my knowledge and serve and turn that into a service for others. So um, I've been speaking um, Dubai, Singapore, um, Texas, uh, all over um, New, uh, um, U.S., Europe. Um, one of the biggest, I mean, the biggest one probably was when I spoke in the stadium uh, in um, in Texas in front of 10,000 people. So that was really amazing. And uh, it's, it's a complete different experience. So speaking, yes, it's a big, uh, a big thing for me. And that's why I have turned into a big, uh, meaning for all the women of Global Women Platform as well, because this is 
the whole mantra behind if you want to empower a woman, give her a microphone. I was and waiting. I realized that. that. I was waiting for that. If you want to empower a woman, give her a microphone. That is so beautiful. And because this is uh, how we have built the whole system and the whole movement around global women, we just give women power by giving her a mic to share a story. And now how women are empowering themselves through Global Woman Platform is uh, by standing in their power, taking a mic and telling the world they exist. They have dreams, they have visions, they have something to give. They want to leave a legacy. So we give them the audience, we give them the platform, we give them the visibility, we give them that little mic, but also we give them the, the exposure into the media, into the magazines, into the communities. And it's just like incredible seeing how many women come with no confidence at all, with no belief on themselves. And then in a few months later, you see them exploding, you see them on fire and you see them just tapping into the best version of themselves. And you're doing the same with, with women in Cyprus and all over the world. I, I You know, uh, what you, you have been doing in the, in the last two years, with two, three years in, in our journey together, Elizabeth, it's, it's like amazing. So many women talk about you. And you know, branding is when people talk about you, you are not in the room. So many, many, many women talk about you and you have no idea. And they say, oh my God, I love Elizabeth. Oh, she helped me on this and she helped me on that. And your personality, your, your energy, your funny character to make people laugh, to make people feel comfortable, to make people dream, to make people feel they can. It's like, uh, I feel so proud of myself that I meet people like you. I attract people like you. And we are attracting amazing women in our global woman community. Uh, our darlings are just outstanding. All of them, absolutely outstanding. So um, what what I am working with myself now in, in this journey is the next level, the highest level of myself is like to be able to be the best version of myself where I can attract good people who believe in good things, who believe in helping others, who believe in helping themselves as well. Because first, if you don't help themselves, if I was not able to help myself uh, when I was a village woman, I would not be able he to be here. And I would not be able to meet you and to meet so many amazing thousands of women around the world, uh, which we were meant to meet, but we have to take actions. We have to move. We are not trees. That is so true. And also, like you were saying before, when people, when women start talking about their dreams, because once we start talking about something, it takes form. You know, as long as it's just in our mind, it may be there and it may it may materialize slowly. But I think it's a kind of a commitment when you start telling somebody that what you want to do, you are obliged to do it because otherwise you're going to have to come back and, you know, explain why you didn't do it. And, 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 and powerful people don't have excuses. They take action and they do things. And that's what you do. And, um, you know, the Global Woman Club, I always say, is is like getting and becoming a member of the Global Woman Club is like going to the gym, buying a gym membership. You don't get any muscles if you just buy the membership. You have to do the work. You have to go to the classes. You have to go to, uh, to, to the training in the Global Woman Club. You have to attend masterclasses. You have to attend meetings. You and that's how you meet and network with people. And the more you do, the more muscle you get. Do you agree with me? Absolutely. Everything is like that. Um, you know, many people think that um, there is a magic. Uh, things 
things happen to them because of, let's say, the way they're born or the government or the village or the country or um, the politicians or the tsunami or the COVID. Yes, all these things have huge impact on us. Absolutely. But we have more impact on the way that we respond to things that happen to us or that happen through us, because it's not what happens, it's what we do with what happens. It's not uh, what we get, is what we do with what we get. It's not what we have, it's what we do what, with what we have. And all the experiences that we go through, we need to learn how to master these experiences. We need to learn how to turn these experiences into advantages, into something powerful, because Otherwise, how is that expression? It's like no gain, no pain. Now, before, uh, when I trained myself as a psychologist, and um, I probably, I don't know if I mentioned in my journey also uh, to heal myself from, um, from that grief that I had experienced for my daughter, I, I had to learn how to get out of this by studying psychology. So soon after I became a psychologist, and I remember at the beginning when I was seeing clients, I was crying with them. They would come with all kinds of dramas and traumas, and I would cry with them, and I would go home with, with, with that pain. But then later on, as I completely uh, reprogram and rewire uh, my, my mindset and my subconscious mind, I start seeing things differently. And that's the thing that I also try to convey to my clients, to people around me to say, hey, it's not important what happened to you. What is important is what is the meaning you are putting into it? For example, before I used to feel like a victim and to feel like, why me? Why I had to go through so so much pain? Now I feel empowered. I say, thank you. I'm very, very, very grateful for everything that I've been going through because as a result of that, now all the time when my ladies come and say, "Oh, I've been, I'm going through this," and don't worry, I've been there. No matter what my ladies tell me, "Oh, don't worry, I've been there." Oh, I've been there. No, it's not a big deal. So I just let it like, and they look at me and say, "What do you mean it's not a big? Deal? It's not? Come on, that don't put so much attention." I remember very well, and you know, uh, there is uh, this lady as well, but of course, I never give names. She came to me uh, for um, for a one-to-one session. I don't provide one-to-one sessions, but at that time was like just before COVID. And uh, she just started crying and crying. And and she said, I have written this letter to my mother. Okay, so do you want to read it? I said, yes, I want to read it, please. I want to read it to you first before I send it to my mother. Okay. And oh my God, I said, give me the letter. And just, you're not going to send this letter to your mother. Come on. It's not your mother. There's nothing wrong with your mother, my darling. If you really want to say something to your mother, just call her and say, I love you. I forgive you. And I bless you. And she said, what do you mean? She did this to me and she did this to me. I said, no. We need to change that story. And I said, you are not, you're not understanding what I've been going through. I said, I do, because I understand you, what you've been going through. That's why I'm doing this. And I don't want you to go through that trap. What is the result you're going to get from that? Okay, just imagine how your mother is going to react when she receives that letter. She's going to be angry. I said, oh, what do you get if she gets angry? She's, yeah, she's going to be in pain like I was. Said, and what do you get if your mother is in pain? Do you benefit anything? No, we are not going to go through that route. We're going to change the story. So it's all about changing the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story is how you interpret it. 
Then a few months later, she's interpreting her story in a completely different way. It's the same story. So I used to be in that place where I used to blame my mother and my stepfather and my everybody just crying in pain. I just wanted them to accept. I remember once my mother came for uh, dinner when uh, I had I, I was still there in in my old past, and uh, I just wanted her to feel guilty. I just wanted her to accept. Say why? Please, can you just accept that you are guilty? And she didn't want to accept, and we went it. We ended up being in a very painful situation. Uh, now, the thing is that why do you want to make people feel upset, uh, guilty? No, it's not their fault. It's nobody's fault. If you have been going through a journey which has been painful, dramatic, really, really tough, it's because you're meant to go through it. And these people show up. It can be your mother, your father, your stepfather. They show up because they are meant to be there to train you for that. They, they, your whole life is designed for you to, to be trained. And if you don't get that the first time, the, the, the second time, the 10th time, the 21st time, you're going to continue getting it over and over again. You have to stop it. Stop it and change the course of your life. Once you change the course of your life, starting interpreting your story and your journey and everything that is going around you in a complete different way, then you have blocked the bad karma, the bad thing. From the moment that I changed myself, oh my God, amazing things started coming to my life. Amazing people, including you, Elizabeth. And I, every day I said, oh my God, I'm, every single day I just meet amazing people, good people. Because you do not chase good people. You attract them. How do you attract them? By, became, by becoming that person. If I want to attract good people, I have to become good. If I want to attract successful people, I have to become successful. If I want to attract positive energy, I have to show positive energy. And that's very simple. Yeah, it's really, it's very, very simple. And, and for many people, very hard to understand, but it is simple. I could talk to you for hours, but we've been, I know, I mean, I could talk to you for days. And one thing that I really, really love about Mirella Sulla is, even though she has become extremely successful and Global Woman Club has become very big, you are very approachable. And I love it when you are in the Zoom rooms during the masterclasses, talking to just everybody who is there. And um, just, I want to end this soon, but I want to tell everyone, how can they become a member of the Global Woman Club? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. How do you explain when people ask you? I remember when, uh, you remember Elizabeth, when we were having the director's meeting, and um, we started discussing this um, together with the darlings. And I, I just realized that every single director has been a member before. And I asked one of the directors, why did you become a member? So you started this journey before you became a director, you were a member. So can you just tell me why did you become a member? It's very easy. Just the, the reason why you, you became a member, that's the reason why somebody else wants to become a member. So if you really loved it for yourself and you saw the benefit, why you don't want to, to share it with others? That's very stingy. If you don't convince somebody to become a member, that means that, hey, I bought this cream for me, but I don't want you to buy it because only me, I want to look beautiful. And the same thing is with the club. Hey, I joined the club. It changed my life, but I don't want you to join it because I want to change only my life. And that's not nice. That's why I always, uh, when I see women that they, they have that desire, they have that, 
that little pain that is waiting to be turned into a great opportunity to grow, to go global, to meet people, to visit places, to learn, to expand. Say, that's the place. It's happening. It's happening. We are seeing this every single day in front of our eyes, how women come to the Global Women Club and they transform their life. In a couple of months, you see a different woman very soon because it's the culture that we have created. It's uh, it's an amazing, powerful culture where we give women a microphone, we give women knowledge, we give women a networking, we give women visibility, we give women love and care and inclusion. And it, everybody just feels home. It's so easy. From the very beginning, when people were asking me, how are you managing it? You started with nothing, with one club in London within a year from the moment that I started the club. We went 14 clubs in 12 months. How how did How did that happen? Very simple. I I just knew what women want. Women want love, authenticity, care, genuinity, support, and and some guidance. And then they explode. Once they build that confidence, they, they, they go on fire. And it's our time. And I'm so grateful that you, Elizabeth, uh, have, have been doing that in, in such a natural way. That was meant for you. I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I, how I joined, I wanted to be a speaker and I got so much more than I had bargained for. And I am still getting, and I love every moment of being a global woman director and spending time with all these gorgeous women all over the man, over the world. And as you know, I also like the gorgeous men all over the world. <laughs> That's the beauty of global woman. We are not like so-called feminist women where men are bad and we are the best. No, there are so many good men out there. We learn from them. And if they are teaching good stuff, why not? We should we learn. There are everybody. so many things. We love everybody. Yeah. Mirella Zula, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much for being on my podcast. Thank you, my darling. You just make me happy every time I see your um, your visibility all over, everywhere, in all cross-platforms, podcasts, social media. You just make my heart sink. And uh, you are a great example of all women. Let's give a quick shout out to Nate. What is your son's podcast called? Oh, that's so nice. Yes, because uh, uh, I know he's a big fan of your work as well and he interviewed you for his podcast. Um He's, he's studying biomedical science. He's in the final year. And um, he wants to do something um, to, to encourage and inspire young generation to do good things in the world. But somehow he has probably got some kind of push from me as well that you have to start because he's a perfectionist. For many, many years, we discussed what he wants to do. And he, he talks, I want to do this, but he said, can you just start? And then uh, this is where it started. Uh, his podcast is, to, is called Startup Today and is to encourage young generations to take actions and, and start. And we will put his link. Of course, we'll also put the link of the Global Woman Club. We will also put Nate's link in the show notes. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mirella. Mirella, love you lots. Lots of love, my darling, and keep going, keep thriving. The world needs women like you. Thank you. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share, and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.